And so this young kid pulls up at my house, the, the gentleman I was doing the mortgage with, and he was a few years younger than I was. And he pulls up in a black uh, 911, black on black convertible Carrera Turbo, right? Mm -hmm. And so at that age, cars were still important to me, and they're, they're not necessarily now. But, uh, of course, I wanted to know, how, how did you, how did you're 20, he was, I was 29, I think he was probably 26. Like, how'd you get that? And he's like, doing this, mortgages, right? And I was like, really? And uh, I said, do you, do you guys have an extra spot on the, on the team? And uh, he said, let me check. And he called me back, and uh, he said yes. And so it was at that point that I broke away from corporate America. And uh, at that time, you had to have a year's worth of experience before you could start your own mortgage brokerage in Florida. That was kind okay. of the, the legal proceeding, if you will. And so I worked, went to work for uh, the shop he worked at, and then a year later I was uh, up and running and had my own brokerage. Yeah. So, so was, you, uh, you went from corporate America to starting your own mortgage brokerage? Yes. In a year? Yeah. All right. So before we jump in, okay, what were you doing exactly in corporate America? Um, I had a couple jobs. I was uh, at prior to uh, taking that first leap. I worked for Johnson and Johnson uh, in pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. um, a sales rep. A sales rep. Yeah, yeah. Um, which you know, the funny thing is, is, I thought that was my dream job, and once I got it, I despised it. Um, what did you despise about it? Um, you know, it's not so much I think what I despised about it as much as what it showed me about me. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense, yeah. And it showed me uh, <laughs> you'll get <laughs> you'll get a kick out of this, but it showed me that if I got a steady paycheck, um, that I'm going to go to work at ten and, and come home at three. You know, <laughs> that sounds very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> um, it wasn't until uh, I had to, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, eat what you kill, uh, when I began to really perform at a much much higher level. So, so. not really the model employee. No, no. <laughs> No, not at all. But, but I hate. I didn't. I knew I was better than that. But it was because of a. You know. I mean. I was. I was a kid mm -hmm. working for J and J, twenty four, twenty five years old, making this big salary company car, all the good stuff. You know. And it was kind of like a, a race to the bottom because I was like, man, well, I'm good. You know. What were you making when you quit? I mean, this is a while ago, but for perspective. Yeah, when I was twenty nine years old, I would say I was probably making at that point maybe maybe close to a hundred grand. Okay. You know, that was a long time ago too. Yeah, it's a crazy thing, right? That was almost twenty years ago. Twenty years ago. <laughs> but it's just because one of the things that you know we talk about is you know good is the enemy of great, yeah. which is you have a good salary. It's even yeah. harder to quit. So how were you still able to make the leap? Because that's a question I get. Like, when's the right time to quit? Like, but you were making good money. So how did you figure out it was still the right thing to do to quit? Um, I don't know that you ever know it's the right thing to do, right? Mm -hmm. It's a scary process to shift from a, a, a steady paycheck to not having a steady paycheck, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, and it, it is a leap of faith in, in yourself. Uh, but I, I think for me, you know, I the way that I did it was, I, it's not that I had a bunch of money. Uh, at that time, it's just that I had a I went and got a home equity line of credit. Uh, and really familiar story, is. Yeah, yeah, I got a home equity home equity line of credit for forty grand, and uh, I used that to start the business. You know, and yeah. uh, part of it too, I kind of transitioned again. I, for a year, I worked for someone else, right? So I was able to to learn the business and uh, get a, a certain level of confidence before I technically started on my own, which was a year after leaving corporate America. What did you do in your first year in mortgages? Uh, I mean, like, what do you mean? What did I do? Uh, volume, commissions. Oh gosh, I don't even, I don't even remember. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, did you come out of the gate flying, or was it a struggle? Uh, I, I came out of the gate doing pretty good, but I can't take credit for it. Um, which is funny because it relates to what we talked about at our event this week. How mm -hmm. we were talking about how listen, 
everybody think there's thinks there's a they're a rock star right now and i told everyone it's 50 percent you and 50 percent the market mm-hmm. um i was in a similar situation uh when during the early 2000s there was another there was a boom going yeah. on not only was there a construction boom from housing perspective but rates were dropping which also created a refinance boom right mm-hmm. so i was killing two two barrels of fish at All that right. time right so um, I did well. I don't remember the exact numbers, but I can tell you I, I did well. And then, not necessarily because I'm was a rock star at that time, more so, but because the a good market, time to be a loan officer. Yeah, the market was was fantastic. So you go from loan officer to starting a brokerage after one year, which is kind of aggressive. So how was that journey? I'm aggressive, Steve. <laughs> you are aggressive. <laughs> so how was that journey? Uh, yeah, I think that's always scary, mm-hmm. you know, but I knew I had felt like – for the majority of my life that I was going to have my own business. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, but you know, you take a loan out on your house, you, you, you have no, even though, even though I was in sales, I didn't have any real corporate experience as far as how to grow a team, how to manage a team, how to do any of that stuff. Right. And you just kind of, you know, you walk into it blindly and, uh, that's the part that's scary. You know, you, and, and I think when you're young, even when you're old, a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with building a team, right? It's kind of like, Hey, sit down there, do what I need you to do, make me some money. And if you can try not to bother me in the process, that would be great. <laughs> right. And we all know that that model is uh, very limited in scope. Yeah. So it might've worked in the 1970s right. so much today. Right. So, yeah. uh, it was, you know, it was a fun ride. I, again, things were explosive at that time. I think when we kind of peaked out before the market crashed, the store started in 2008. Um, we had about 14 loan officers, three, uh, three processors and we were in there banging, you know, you didn't have Wait, to do you started that. the brokerage. No, you, yeah. the, the, the lo- mortgage brokerage, you started in 2008. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I started yeah. in probably 2001. Right. And I'm saying in 2008 is when everything started. Took to, a slight, slight turn. The, well, I, I think more so like the wheels began to fall off. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, you know, we saw a lot of people that did really well mm-hmm. and they lost everything. And yeah. in some ways, you know, okay. okay. So you're included in that oh, yeah. category. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was like, what, how high did you get? Mm-hmm. And then what happened? Yeah, I mean, I think when the wheels started to fall off uh, at that time, and we were probably cranking out anywhere on a month-to-month basis, 75 to 100 loans. Uh, wow. Month. Yeah, we were banging. Um, but again, I, I, I can't say enough about the fact that it was so much about, you know, the market. It's like, if it's not that you really needed a sophisticated mortgage, where you need somebody to answer the phone, right? It wasn't <laughs> yeah. really salespeople, it was order takers. <laughs> yeah, well, at that know? time. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, things, that's when the financial crisis kind of hit, start, started mm-hmm. to everything had to unfold in 2008. But did you have like big house, bunch of houses, fancy cars? What was Relative to that phase of my life. Yeah. I mean, I had, I was, man, I was spending everything. I hadn't gotten my first house on, that was always a dream of mine, a house on the water. You know, mm-hmm. I got my first house on the water, had beautiful cars, was, you know, spending all my money. Um, weren't really saving a whole lot. No. No, 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 no. I've got a lot of wisdom at this phase of my life, and it comes from, you know, getting your teeth kicked in yeah. uh, during those times, time frames. Those I mean, it's interesting. See, it didn't matter how successful you were. A lot of people all got reset to zero. Well, you've been in CG, I guess, for 11 or 12 months now, and I would almost think that you've probably heard me say this multiple times. Making money is a skill set. Mm-hmm. Keeping money is a discipline. Right. Right? Right. And at that time, I had no discipline. But after you get uh, a little you know ass with it for lack of a better term you start yeah. to appreciate that they're two different completely arenas. different skills yeah 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 so what were what were your lessons 
that's one of them, mm-hmm. right? Um, making money is a skill set. Keeping is a discipline. Um, you know, I have a whole different financial philosophy now than I did then. Um, but I, you know, number one was to live below my means, which I do very much to this day. Um, live below my means. Making money is a skill set. Keeping it's a discipline. Um, having a plan of what to do with what you keep. Um, you know, I think. And again, I don't know that these were my lessons now, but I, 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 I think for the folks listening, there's probably a bigger, a bigger value from sharing the wisdom I've learned over time between mm-hmm. then and, and what the 14, 15 years since then would be um, I follow uh, the what's called the Profit First model, right? There's a gentleman named Mike Bakalowitz, and he wrote mm-hmm. a book called Profit First. And it's really about, you know, he kind of turns – are the traditional model of sales minus expenses equals profit mm-hmm. on its head, right? He says profit is more than a, li- a line item on the bottom right-hand corner of your P&L. It must be extracted. It must be taken mm-hmm. from the business on purpose. Um, and so, you know, following his model really, the goal, first of all, I think it's critically important if, I think a lot of real estate makes, real estate investors make a mistake of trying to create passive income too soon. Really? I think the best way to create a lot of passive income is to have a just radical active income, mm-hmm. right? Then For the, sure, that helps. Oh, yeah, right? Yeah. And then the passive side becomes easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but that model is really, you know, there's there's like five different bank accounts. Uh, there's your your cash flow account for your business. There's your retained earnings for your business so that you know like when something like last March breaks out mm-hmm. that if you've got retained earnings, you're like, okay, this is not going to be fun. Uh, but I can. We're going to make it through because mm-hmm. we've been smart. We have retained earnings in the business, and then there's effectively the retained earnings for your family, if mm-hmm. you will, right? To make sure that, regardless of what happens in your business, that your family is going to be okay, right? right? And, and then there's uh, your money that you're going to invest. Uh, and then there's obviously the, the tax man, Uncle Sam, your business partner. Uncle Sam right? always likes to eat. He always has a seat at the dinner table. He does. He does. He's, I, found, I found him to be uh, <laughs> a pig, quite honestly. He's always gobbling. You know, it's like, come on, man. But So um, but I want to touch on something here because we're talking about profit first. Because yeah. uh, we've had other people come on the show and they're talking about the importance of paying yourself. Mm-hmm. And there's always afterwards I see comments like, no, as a grinder, you got to put, put it all back in the business, mm-hmm. which I used to have that mindset. Yeah. And I was always broke. Mm-hmm. So what would you say? Yeah, well, I think there's danger in unless you have visions of creating a, a quote unquote unicorn like an Uber or mm-hmm. you know the the billion dollar company. I mean, if you unless you are uh, uh, have a dream like that, the, the reality of it is is that 99 percent of entrepreneurs following that model can be quite honestly can be dangerous because mm-hmm. if you put all your money back into your business, you can scale yourself out of profitability, and then if you hit a bump you're not prepared for that bump or have any money, like I said, retained earnings or what have you to make it through the bump, uh, you can come off the rails yeah. completely, you know? And so I think it's it's important. Uh, now, granted, you do have to get to a, a spot where I, I say, I call it, you got to get to a, a spot where your business has got CPR, right? You do need to get to a spot where your business is profitable consistently, predictably, and reliably, mm. right? Um, and then at that point, I think you, you, you need to, be disciplined in, in taking money and, and putting it into uh, some of the different facets that we right. just talked about, right? But, um, you know, everybody has their own journey. That's one of the things we talked about this week at CG, mm-hmm. right? Um, for one in a million folks that is putting every penny back into the business, it works out. Uh, for most, it doesn't because you scale yourself out of your profitability 
all your money, get you know more people, more deals, more, and then you hit a bump and you got you got no oxygen. Well, and that's the what I was telling my wife like when COVID first struck was that I felt bad for all the entrepreneurs that have been sacrificing all these years waiting to extract, and then you got this massive speed bump, and now like those seven years, yeah. fifteen years of sacrifice, yeah, and that's all gone. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I will. Now we've obviously been very fortunate. We'll be very the way blessed. COVID turned out, you yeah. know, our our industry relative to some has. Our been, industry has. Oh yeah, right. We but were not for, the restaurant very, industry. Right, very fortunate, right? So, yeah. I'll never forget when uh, that broke out. We were in CG last March, and I did a, a little video saying, "If you got any questions about whether or not you're going to make it through this, the answer doesn't lie on your P and L. It lies on your balance sheet." Exactly. Right, and you when you're some people focus merely on building a business. When in fact, you should also be focusing on building a balance sheet. Right. Right. Yeah. And there's a lot of wisdom there that might be missed, but it's Sometimes you got to get popped in the mouth first (laughs) before you listen, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's just what. When a student is ready, the master will appear. Exactly. So, all right. So you, so things kind of fell off the rails a little bit. Mm -hmm. All of it. Business, marriage, whole, 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 all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's 08. So then what? was your next step in your journey? Um, so I just kind of looked up and said, I got a skill set that I've developed doing mortgages. What can I do with that skill set? And that was at the time when everything was being short sold. And so mm-hmm. I was like, well, I will um, I will begin processing short sale mm-hmm. loans, or not short sale loans, but short sale packages for real estate agents, right? Oh, I didn't know you were doing that. Yeah. Oh, well, it was miserable. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm a people pleaser, uh-huh. a people pleaser. And no matter how good you were at doing that, because of the length of time that it took to get it done, mm-hmm. nobody was ever happy, mm-hmm. even if you did a great job, yeah. right? And I, I, I'm, I, I couldn't stomach that, right? You're like I, a host at a busy restaurant. It doesn't matter. Like. Exactly, <laughs> right? You walk in, you want to be, you don't care. I don't care you, but I want to sit down now, right? you know? Uh, and that's not how it works. So uh, at that time, that's really, you know, I was like, I, I can't stand this. I don't like, I want to make people happy mm-hmm. right um and so then i transitioned to actually flipping short sales um and during that i was just getting the hang of it right mm-hmm. just getting the hang of it and you could do dry closings which means you could use the end buyer's money that you were flipping it to to close your deal mm-hmm. just as i was getting and i needed that because i didn't have any money right? right i was broke uh i needed that and just about the time i was getting the hang of it um, they changed, uh, kind of changed the rules across the country where you had to do wet funding, which means, listen, you got to bring your own funds up front to close a deal, then you can turn around and sell it. Well, I remember that conversation with my title uh, agent. She called and she said, listen, we got a problem. You got to, you know, you got to bring uh, your own money to this closing today because the rules have changed. And I was like, Barb, what are we going to do? This is a, we got a big problem here. She's like, no, baby, we don't have a big problem. You got a big problem, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it was a four hundred and two thousand dollar problem. That's that was the closing on that deal. And then we were selling it for four ninety five the same day. And I called a friend of mine, a guy named Stephen Daw here, and I was like, Man, I'm in a jam. You know, he was he's big money. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm in a jam. I need four hundred and two thousand bucks for a couple of hours. And uh he's like, Well, you know, what are you what are you gonna kick back when it comes back in a couple of hours? And I was like, um, two points, right? Like eighty four hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Wait a minute, you're I want to send you this and like today you're going to send it back with $8,400. And I was like, yes. And so that's exactly what happened. And you can imagine his question the moment we finished that transaction. How many of these can we do? Yeah. (laughs) Can we do this again? Right. And I said, well, if this is a problem for me, 
it's a, obviously a problem for everyone. Well, it's an industry it. problem now. Yeah, yeah. And so we set out at that point to form what was called iVisionary Financial. And for about, we knew that would have a limited lifespan, mm -hmm. um, either for a variety of reasons. Um, either the banks wouldn't want you to do it or the short sales would come to an end or whatever. But we had a fantastic run, um, which is, that that's really where I kind of, for lack of a better term, began to recover and get back on top, if you will, um, so, from that drub, drubbing I had taken. We started our Visionary Financial Solutions, and for about four years, um, we got to the point where we were lending about 75 to $100 million a year off of, off of only a $5 million credit facility. Um, because it was you didn't need transactional it. funding. Yeah, you didn't need a big a, a ton of money because it was always coming in and out, in and out, yeah. in and out, in and out, right? And so, uh, pretty good ROI for your for your buddy there. It, well, I used to plug pull it up on my calculator and plug it in. And it would just come up and say good enough. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was in a fan. It was great for both of us. Mm -hmm. On a, or there was actually another partner, a guy named Dan Rose, and uh, we had the business business split evenly, and we we all three of us just did fantastic. I would go get the business. Uh, Dan would, would do the docs and vet the title companies and Steven was the, the money man, you know? And so, wow. yeah. And, but that's not around anymore. No, 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 no. That, that was, again, that kind of got transactional funding was hot at that time. And because mm -hmm. of all the short sales and, and as the industry began to, you know, get back on its feet, got it, uh, it kind of phased out and then lenders started putting what you call deed restrictions on there. Well, that was my next question. Cause yeah. short sales. That was something that came. Mm -hmm. Ninety-day deed restrictions, yeah. twenty-day deed restrictions. Yeah, and so that slowly began to <laughs> suffocate that business. Um, right. But the cool part is, is that right at when that was starting to happen, I had started CG, and so I took my foot off the gas of, of one and put my foot on the gas. And when was that? Uh, I started CG about that's uh, actually eleven years ago this month. Okay. Uh, yeah. So whatever. That's so COVID was your ten-year anniversary present. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. March of last year. Yeah, yeah. Happy birthday to you. Yeah, right? that's awesome. All right. So what yeah. compelled you to start CG? Uh, you know, I'd love to give you this fabulous story until it was a calculated decision. But mm -hmm. the reality of it was uh, I came because I came to be like super candid today uh, is it was kind of an accident. I was in a mastermind that wasn't necessarily real estate specific and uh i saw the model and at the time i had built a list we used to get people we used to lend people money and uh on at i visionary by doing webinars about showing how people were flipping the houses and then we'd say hey you go out and figure, find the flip and we'll fund it and i built up a, a respectful following at that time and also knew who was were doing a lot of deals because there, there are hey this person right we we lent money to this person eight times this month we lent person to that person 11 times this month right um, and so I, I saw the model and was like, hey, there's really nobody doing this in our space. And I started it as just honestly a, a side project, uh, you know, another way to make a side hustle is what the kids are calling. Yeah, it. that's yeah, the side hustle. Yeah. Uh, another way to make a few bucks. And then once it got rolling into it, realized that um, it, this model tapped into something that I didn't know was one of my like a God given talent. And that's mm -hmm. connecting people. You are a connector. Yeah, yeah. I love it, man. Yeah. You know, I love putting two people together and then like they're call or shoot me a text and like, hey, man, you, you introduced me to this person and this person, you know, like this just happened this week. You know, I walk into CG and uh, a gentleman named Jim Shields called me, I don't know, it was maybe six, six or eight months ago and said, hey, I've got this project. Uh, it's about a uh, 
$25-$26 million ground up construction on an RV resort. I put them together with Brian Yarnell, another CG member. And here we are, we show up at CG and I walk in and Brian and Jim's like, hey man, Brian funded that, that $26 million deal, you know? And I'm like, no, oh, you know, that's cool <laughs> stuff, man. I dig that's that. Really and that'll cool. change, that'll probably change both of their of their lives. Yeah. You know, that's a, for, relative in size to what they've been doing, that's a, that's a pretty big deal, right? So $26 million is a pretty good size. Yeah, that's a pretty good size. Deal. That's yeah. not necessarily even commonplace on a daily basis with what I'm doing, right? But I love connecting, you know, when, Mark Delatour says, hey, we're going to scale into different markets. And he starts using the connections in CG, those wholesalers, to provide him product that he can turnkey. And when, you know, it's just like, man, that's. Well, Jason Lewis and I were talking uh, two days ago. Mm -hmm. I was like, dude, I've got this product. I think that it would be good for your clients. It would be good for my clients. And it's basically just having a computer listen to the calls and say, this is what's working or this is what your guy's screwing up. Yeah. Like, just more collaboration yeah right? just because yeah. we're hanging out yeah that's i mean to me that's the best part of cg yeah. that's what i dig doing that's the best part of cg uh just you know guys and gals getting together and complimenting one another and making things easier yeah you know that's i mean so who's well i guess when you started it your database was florida or is it nationwide when it was nationwide yeah. so you're doing transactional funding nationwide mm-hmm Okay, so you had a pretty good database. You had a pretty good book of business yeah, to get started. Yeah, decent. Uh, I had a decent start. I think there yeah. were nine or ten folks at that first uh, collective genius. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So mm-hmm. what does it look like today in there? Um, so today we, ha- we have two different levels. We just launched one. I'll get into that in a minute. But um, right now we have about 160, uh, I guess you'd say businesses, memberships, if you will. And a lot of those folks have business partners. So the amount of people that are in what we call CG Premier is probably in the 250 range. But it's comprised of about 160 businesses. And some of those people have business partners, which gets us to 250. But um, it's it's some of the just the top players. And the majority of it is in the single family space. We've got some other disciplines, multifamily, self-storage, et cetera. But majority of the top players in the country, every, almost everybody in there is uh, doing 100 plus transactions a year and just killing it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and not... The, the key thing for me too is not just their volume or how much money they're making or keeping or all that stuff but also the that 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 excellence in the in the business side needs to be combined with excellence on the human as you know human beings mm-hmm. right and the reason you guys are you're talking to jason lewis or other people you're doing business with is because you're decent human beings you know not right. not everybody's perfect right oh, oh no we, we're yeah. not perfect yeah no i'm and i'm not claiming that um but uh, and we get together once a quarter, like we just did uh, here in Scottsdale last week, and um, we go through what we call hot seats. And mm-hmm. it's basically you get you know rock star individuals getting up and you know in my room, for example, you know you had Dan Lane who will probably do close to 250 deals this year and has a portfolio of 130 units. You had Doug Hopkins and Damon Lyons who will do close to 400 deals, and you know it was just it's just a stacked you know bonkers numbers yeah bonkers or you guys like jay you just brought up jason lewis i mean the kid's 33 years old and you know i don't want to throw him under the table but you know he does he, he does his his net doesn't start with a one you know <laughs> with com- his combined businesses at 30 32 33 years old it's it's in the you know i mean that's the caliber of investors that are in cg and when that when you get everybody together it's just the magic happens you know right and, uh, it's uh you know uh, you know you get a, a guy like a ryan pineda saying hey you know i've got this 
amazing following on social media. I'm looking to possibly start a fund. Can you connect me with some guys who can do that? And I'm like, well, why don't you consider you raising the money instead of getting involved in, in running and managing the fund? Let me introduce you to Ken Majmandar, mm. right? Like he's a guy has a fund, runs, he's got like $400 million of assets under manager. Let me put you with, let me introduce you to Ken. Maybe you got, maybe you can do what you do best, right? Raise the capital and he can handle the management, right? Cause mm -hmm. that's what he's good at. Cause I don't yeah. think you're going to like that. Right. Right. And, and you would know that because you know, you talk to the guys yeah. that run funds. Yeah. 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 So, um, that's really what it is. You know, there's, there's, I really say there's two components, right? There's the information side of it. Everybody gets up and shares, um, what they're doing, what they're doing well. And it's at a fairly detailed level, you know. It's mm -hmm. people are sharing their their org charts and their mind maps and their processes with each They're other. They're actually vulnerable and transparent. Yeah, which is not yeah. expected. Like usually, you know, you you think of a mastermind. We all know that there's a lot of value in masterminds, but sometimes you go to these organizations, there's a lot of flexing. Yeah, maybe a little little, you know, the numbers might be buffed up a little bit, right? We start every <laughs> event and have for 11 years. Everybody's got to check it at the door, mm -hmm. you know everybody yep. right the only thing that makes it function the only thing that greases the wheels is for you to put your 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 you know i don't know if you're listening right now you can't see me i was acting like a gorilla pounding yeah. on, you know it's like you got to put that down mm -hmm. um and and that because that's what that's what makes it spin right you know? um so but yeah it's the information everybody's sharing and then when they share what they need help with that's where the connections really start to kick in and we start to say you know hey you need you know, if you need help, you need help with this. Well, I'm going to put you with this person. You know, right. you know, the Mark Dillatour saying, "Hey, we're going into those multiple markets, and we've got the connections in CG from the wholesale perspective. But now we need uh, connections on the buyer perspective. Can you introduce me to some funds? Mm -hmm. Right? Yes, I got it handled. I may introduce you to some funds who can buy some of that product. And so that's the the other the information and the connections. And uh, then between meetings, we have you know like seven different calls with. We have a COO mastermind to really help groom your second in command and give your those your second in command a spot to feel at home and to implement all the stuff that we're talking about at CG after a meeting, right? And um, also therapy for one another. Yes, yes. If you work, if you're an integrator for visionary, you, clear, you clearly need some therapy, <laughs> right? Um, you know, there's a sales call, uh, you know, conversion call every month. There's a marketing call every month. There's a ops call every month. There's a financial call every month. There's just and these are these calls are being led by. Some of our, our top members, you know, Eric Superstars. Brewers of the world. Mm -hmm. You know, you got, once a month you get to get on a call with a guy like Eric Brewer doing 250 turnkeys and who's got a plan big to teach you about sales. Right. You yeah. know, like, here's how we get an extra deal every month. We do this post-survey mm -hmm. call, right? Yeah. Here's the here's the flow chart for how it works, blah, 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 right? It's more how to get more deals and how they're utilizing different strategies where you're like a sales trainer right wants right. to get them get them to the kitchen table how to close um, yeah how to yeah. close you know um so it's just you know that's oh and then we got ren bartlett right yeah yeah talking about marketing effectively what's working and i think that one of the things that um a lot of people see like the texting and, and the and all these other tools that we use yeah i didn't realize this until i got in these were what you guys are talking about how about behind the doors this mm -hmm. is what you get in the mastermind. Yeah. Someone finds something cool, you guys work on it, eventually it gets leaked out. Yeah. But the power is you're a leading edge. Well, you get to hear about thing you get to hear about things and tools and processes that work. It's not just that you're leading edge, right? Because if, if you're if if something gets leaked out, you are you become aware of what you should be doing, mm -hmm. right? 
what CG does, what a mastermind does, is give you the how you should be doing it. Like, mm. oh, I need, oh, everybody's, this is the new thing, texting, or this is the new, you know, uh, using AI to listen to sales calls, or mm. what you right? But th the thing about a mastermind, the thing about something like the Collective Genius is you can go sit with someone like a Casey Ryan, who's just a texting maestro, yeah. right? Or get on a call, or go to his office, mm -hmm. and he just, you know, he just, he opens the, the kimono of, everything that he's learned doing it the processes the the mind maps the you know just like here right yeah. i mean you buy you're buying speed yep absolutely that's what you're buying right you're yeah. buying speed and something that every entrepreneur struggles with every day at least i do right is closing the gap between what is your current reality and what your vision for the future mm -hmm. is right right that distance that gap you join a mastermind that's what you're you're compressing that that distance that speed well we all know time is our most valuable asset but mm. not everyone acts like it is and that's where the value in that mastermind uh comes in um so i was told let's see so there's someone that came on the show and i was informed that phoenix is now the guru capital world i think we can you know take that mantle but yeah for that it was tampa mm-hmm yeah, probably number one or number two still, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Maybe close to it. I mean, who who is over there in Tampa? Because like, they said that to me, it's like, who's over there? I don't even know who's over there. Um, I mean, you got guys like Lee Kearney. Uh, he's uh, he's a guru now. You've got uh, Domar Cross. You've got... Uh, Wasn't Ron? Back, at, back in the day, you had, you know, Kenny Rushing. Uh, who else? I think I heard like Ron LeGrand was out there. Mm, no, Ron's no, not, not Ron. No, no, Ron's not uh, out of Tampa. I'm trying to think of who else uh, would be. Yeah, I don't know. I don't keep up much with, with <laughs> so, that too much. I, I've got my own education programs. Actually, I, I used to have a mastermind, right? Yeah. I don't anymore because after I joined yours, I don't really give up very quickly most things, mm -hmm. right? For me, I'm like, I'm going to do this. And someone yeah. says, you can't do it. It's like, watch me, right? Oh, yeah. You know, and so... <laughs> Uh, Ryan Pineda, you know, we were talking about, you know, he's, I have my mastermind. He's like, dude, he's joined CG. I was like, ah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Right. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, look, just go check it out. It's like, and I still ignored him, but Gary Harper said, you know, go check it out. I was like, all right, yeah. I'll check it out. And I joined, I was like, all right, well, I don't know how hard I would have to work to catch that guy, but it's just not worth the effort. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think I can catch these guys. So yeah. we just put that aside. So I just want to put that out there for the listeners. Like, I think there's, there's tremendous, tremendous value. Uh, but one thing, and I've had this because I, you know, I sell my own education program. Mm -hmm. What do you say to people that say, you know, well, it costs money. Like, why would I buy it? Yeah. And I know we kind of touched on it, but what would you say to someone that doesn't believe in paying for education? Yeah. Well, I, I would first of all tell you that I, I probably wouldn't say a whole lot just because, like, if you're at a point in your life where you don't believe in paying education, you're, we're probably not a good fit or going to find value each other in the first place, right? I don't right. mean that. That probably came that, – that's not meant to come across as uh, arrogance, but, like – Just different phases in our journey. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I'm almost 50 years old. Uh, I'm looking to learn every single day. Yeah. Right? Um so I probably wouldn't say a whole lot, right? But if I was forced to answer that question, I, I would say what you're paying for is, is not only knowledge, right? But it's really more about what we just talked about a minute ago. You're paying for speed, mm -hmm. right? Paying for speed. That's yeah. what you're buying, in effect, is speed. You can go out and beat your brains out yourself, knock it out, right? But if you want to do it and do it faster, if you want to close that gap, like yeah. I said, between what your today is and your, re your vision for tomorrow is faster, 
that's what you're paying for. And it's not always necessarily, I find in most cases in masterminds, it's not that you, something is being shared with you that is uh, like some big revelation, right? It's how to do what you're doing better. Mm-hmm. People join masterminds because they have a relentless pursuit of excellence. Right. Right. Um, and for me, it's not just like, oh, why would I pay for it? I want to come pay to learn. First of all, you pay for everything. Where you're going to college or you're going to a seminar or whatever, right? You're going to pay, you know? And the, the reality of it is the better question, I think, is, is it an expense? Does it become an expense for you or does it become an investment, right? Um, and that's where the reality of it hits the road. Well, I mean, we might as well talk about somebody we've already talked about, like a guy like a Mark De La Tour. He invests twenty twenty five thousand dollars a year to be in CG, right? He'll sell over one hundred and fifty properties this year. Over one hundred and fifty properties this year to another member in CG. Wow, right? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, wow. David David Phelps. Oh, right. That we're not to David, but through his organization. Wow. Right? Okay. Yeah. Over one hundred fifty properties. Right. Let's take. I don't. I don't want to pull your skirt down. That's right? fine. Do whatever you got to do. Right. But <laughs> let's. Let, how long have you been in CG? Uh, coming up on a year, I just got my renewal. Right. I won't, I won't get out the calculator, but mm-hmm. how many people from Collective Genius, as of today, do you have as uh, that are you're training their sales teams? Uh, as of today, I want to say it's about 33, 34. I think by the end of tomorrow, it'll be over 40. Okay, so I'll let you guys calculate this at home. <laughs> but Steve charges uh, for Collective Genius members a thousand dollars a month, mm-hmm. right? So he said by tomorrow, he thinks he'll have 40. So I'm gonna let you take 40 times a thousand. I'm gonna let you multiply it by times 12, and that should absolutely answer the question as to why you would spend money to join a mastermind. Fair? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good ROI. <laughs> right. I think that's a pretty good return on investment. Yeah, yeah. let's see. Oh, I trade 400 grand for 25. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, hit me up, right? Yeah. Well, that goes back to that transactional funding. Your 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 partner. How many of these can I do? Yeah. Right. And that's why. If you got a question, I mean, whether it's to Collective Genius or it's another mastermind mm. or whatever, like. Um, that's that's the answer. Yeah, you know that's the answer. So guys, um, please ask your questions. I mean, Jason, I can't say he's an expert in all those things, but yeah. he knows he's had intimate conversations with the top flippers, wholesalers, self storage guys, talking with guys with funds, mm. whatever it is. Please, guys, ask your questions because if even if Jason can answer the question right now, he'd get pretty darn close to it. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is most of the time my answer involves saying, let me put you with somebody who, <laughs> right? That's my... That's your superpower. Yeah, that's my... I know who's good at what. And so mm-hmm. a lot of times someone may ask me a, a clinical question about real estate. And the reality of it is, is I don't know, don't know the answer, mm-hmm. right? I'm a very active investor, but uh, mostly in syndications, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. I don't, and I lend a lot of money. I don't, I don't really flip houses per se. And so anything that you do around house flipping, most of the time is like, let me put, let me introduce you to so-and-so. Yeah. Let me introduce you to so-and-so, right? And I don't know uh, from there, that's where the magic happens, but I'll, I'll field any questions, see if yeah. we can make some sense of it. Um, one other thing I wanted to say though, is because, you know, we just talked a lot about business when you asked me about like, what is CG today? And the thing that I want to stress is it is so much more than, everything we just talked about right mm-hmm. like i was rushing to get over here because almost 30 of us were out riding razors together yeah. you know um a bunch of a whole nother group got up to high camel camelback mountain uh this morning right like it's it's a bunch of folks doing life together uh above and beyond just the business whether it's having fun like that or you know we do mission trips uh to mexico and, and build homes together and or south uh, america even right yeah we've got a, a group going uh to guatemala 
Uh, there's a massive landfill down there, and the community literally is built around the landfill. Then, and they're, the way they make their livelihood is picking recyclables out of the landfill. Right? It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And well, we back an organization that uh, feeds uh, feeds those people. Right? A, a meal for them is a big deal. Um, and so we have an, an arm called the Generous Genius. Uh, I'm just getting a vision, a vision, a, a, a vision right now of you in your costume in December, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we, we do some crazy stuff to raise, raise some money and help some people. But my point is, it's just so much more than, uh, just uh, making money. It's not just about money. Yeah. It's not just about business. No. It's community and impact. Yeah. That's really yeah. what we are. You know, we started out, we, you know, would label it a mastermind, but now it's become, and that's what I like to call it as a community. And, yeah. you know, the entrepreneurial journey, man, it's, it's hard. And uh, a lot of times you don't feel understood and you want to spend time around people that you feel like understand you. Well, you especially, I was, who was I talking to about this? Um, I don't particularly care for traveling, which is ironic, you know? And yeah. I know we're going to talk about you and your traveling and how you're a little snobbish with your travel. Uh, <laughs> but I don't particularly care for traveling. My wife loves yeah. traveling. But what's ended up happening is we're traveling across the country yeah. to go to these events because you can't find the best people in your own backyard. I wish you could, right? Even here, where we're the guru capital of the yeah, world. Yeah, you got a pretty good backyard. Yeah, we got a pretty good backyard. Yeah. But if you want to meet the best operators, mm-hmm. you've got to travel across the country. And so, um, anyway, I don't know where I was going with that. I just want to throw that out there, that the the, the traveling component is, is important as well. Um, Alexis Adams wants to know, what is the best way, if you're the approach a lender, to fund a deal? What, is the, what would be your approach? Um... Of course, I'd want to dig into that and be, get details about where she's at in her career, but I'm going to assume she's fairly new. Earlier, I would imagine. Okay. Um, the thing that I would say, if I was pretty new, um, I would approach it with a plan more so than, you know, a lot of times the biggest mistakes that, that people make is they're like, well, what are your rating terms, right? Well, mm-hmm. immediately you've relinquished control the moment you ask that question or the ability to negotiate in most cases, yeah. right? Um, and at the same time, we're battling trying to negotiate with the fact that you're new, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the the thing that makes a lot of real estate investors uh, great, uh, the, the biggest transition I've seen when people get really good at raising money is that they offer a program or a set of rate and terms instead of just walking in, you know, and <laughs> what are your rate and terms? Mm-hmm. And uh, our best of the best ha- say, hey, here's what we offer, right? Like we offer 12-month loans at a 7% interest rate. Um, we're going to, whether your money is active or not, you know, if we sell, a, flip the house, and it's a month before we buy another one where we deploy your money, we're, we're going to pay you regardless if the money's in use or not, 7% annualized. Here's here, That's what it looks like if you're in, you know, so... I would encourage you to come with a offering. Otherwise, you're going to end up paying four and twelve or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, but I think the reality of it is, you've also got to, if you're new, you've got to appreciate the fact that you are new, and this is a risky business. And your first time or two, you're probably going to get schooled. Popped in the mouth. I think that's what you were saying earlier. <laughs> yeah, you might get popped in the mouth, and so you've got to understand the risk associated with uh, that. You know, everybody always says, right? All they did was send a wire. You know. <laughs> You know, that's it. You know, well, that that's how it goes sometimes, and sometimes it doesn't go like that. Um, and so I would just approach it from, you know, uh, being honest about where you're at, you know, telling that you're looking for someone uh, to partner with you on mm-hmm. the deal, right? A lot of folks start out, they got to give up 50% of the deal because of the risk, because of the overruns, because you don't really know what you're doing, you don't know how to manage a project, et cetera, et cetera. And ask someone if, if they will go in uh, partners with you. If you really want to 
put them at ease if you've been successful in other areas of your life and you're struggling to get um struggling to get someone to invest in you if you have any other asset that they could cross collateralize you know if you have a maybe you've got a rental property that's free and clear or maybe you have a ton of equity in your home or you know like uh, the, the more security you can give someone and make, make them feel uh secure mm -hmm. the better you're you're going to be off but um you know i would just start the conversation not ask just tell you know if you the, the biggest thing about raising private money is you need to create com the ability to have the conversation right yeah. what do you do well you know we help people uh you know put inactive money to work and give them great returns well what does that look like you know you got to pique someone's curiosity mm -hmm. Um, so you got to really, there's no magic bullet. It's really just uh, being attentive and understanding that you have the ability to create the opportunity to have a discussion like that. Right. Right. Um, so Robbie wants to know, if you were going to start on your own wholesaling, what are some tools that you would start off with? Yeah. Um, you know, the crazy thing is now, we were talking about this at CG, it's gotten so easy because of the tools that are out there. Mm -hmm. Um, it's no longer just like a CRM. It's a, it's like CRMs with all these bolt-ons, right? You want to send mail, you click this button. You want to have v virtual assistants doing dialing for you, you click that button, right? Like, And then they've got everything behind the scenes outside of just the, the functions of, of managing your customers, yeah. right? But how to get more customers. And um, We've got a, a great guy in our organization. Uh, his name's Gary Boomershine, and he's got a CRM with everything attached to it. It's um, He owns realestateinvestor.com. Mm -hmm. Um, if you were to go there, um, he's got, a, again, anything you could ever need and want. Um, but if I was going to start bare bones, didn't have any money, um, I would I would focus on what's called co-wholesaling, where, you know, go to other wholesalers in your area that are successful, right? Either offer to work for them or offer to sell their homes or bring them buyers, right? Yeah. Which, again, in this market, uh, they're everywhere. They are. Well, you know, but you mentioned, you know, working for them because that's something that I always preach and it's not maybe the most popular thing. Mm -hmm. But when someone's new, I always say, just go work for somebody else. Yeah. Learn on their dime. Well, and again, we talked about buying speed earlier. Yeah. Right. Like you can go study and go get in courses, but until you get in the streets, it's a different ballgame. Right. You um, can read the manual. Yeah. Yeah. You can read the manual or you can get uh, some, you know, some real experience and Granted, you can read the manual and take three years to get where you're going. You can go work for somebody for a year, mm -hmm. and it, it's like getting the lights turned on. Yeah, you know, it's a well, whole it's all the context. Other. I mean, even like if you even if you get you crushed in college, right? You you mm -hmm. got this fancy degree. Yeah, you go work at a corporation. Yeah. You're coming brand new. You're as uh, as as raw as can be. Mm -hmm. uh, so I apologize too. I feel terrible answering something. I we work with you know typically a more experienced investor, so I feel like I'm not doing a very good job. That's all right. No, <laughs> I, I think I think I think that, I think that was a good answer. So uh, Reginald Davis wants to know uh, when or what do you think will be the next big shift in today's real estate market? Yeah, you know that's the question everybody. Uh, wants to know right now and i'm when i'm when i i'm gonna take a stab at what big shift means and that's uh with regards to when the market might change mm -hmm. i guess um you know when covid uh first happened we kind of told everybody to brace brace for impact but with the the reality of it with all the stimulus and the shortage of inventory helicopter money is what you were calling it. yeah 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 right yeah you get this vision of the government you know somebody from the government <laughs> flying around in a helicopter just just you know 
Yeah, uh, and they, they just keep doing it, keep doing it today or yesterday. No, yeah. one point nine million dollars, right? Trillion. Trillion, I meant. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tr- T with a, a trillion. Um, and so I think that we've got another several years of a good ride, man. Yeah. I really do. I st- even though at the same time I feel like things are, are bubbly. When I, I think with all the liquidity that's in the marketplace and this lack of inventory, um, you know, I think we've got a, a, a good ride. I think it's going to be several years, even though everybody says, oh, well, there's a lot of people that haven't been able to pay their mortgage and, you know, they're going to take the moratoriums off of foreclosures. And I, I don't think that that's a big enough number right now uh, to where we're going to have like this glut of inventory. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think, I think right now a lot of people are moving more so into new construction and building from the ground up instead of just rehabs because of the in- entry level housing, affordable housing is, I mean, that's just like a no lose proposition. Yeah. Well, that's the reason why we prefer to flip under the median market price because mm-hmm. it'll always, yeah. yeah. It'll always sell. Worst case you get stuck, you keep it. Yeah. You know, um, but I, I think that right now, you know, uh, new construction build or build, building to rent uh, is huge, man. The funds yeah. are coming back in the market. A uh, lot, a yeah. lot of money is coming into Phoenix. I know for sure. Yeah, and building John, was a house. John Burns was that that was talking about that at the mm-hmm. last AG. Yeah, and if for, if a, a lot of the audience is, is newer, building to rent means basically you're literally building a home or rehabbing a home to put a render into it to sell it to someone, whether it's a doctor, a lawyer, a dentist, whoever, or a fund who just wants a, a performing asset, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and that's that's a huge that's a huge trend right now. It is uh, manufactured wanna... housing too is is, uh, is 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 something I see really big. A lot of guys in CG buying lots and literally ordering homes and dropping them on there versus building from scratch or yeah we've done really well yeah. with manufactured homes and i think mm-hmm. bj was was pushing that also a couple of cgs back mm-hmm. um i want to congratulate you i don't think i've ever heard anyone talk about real estate market as being bubbly so i've never heard it in that context before but i think that's really cool yeah um, i think it's a it's, you could look up very easily say it's bubble right now yeah right yeah and but, but bubbly still, bubbly is just oh like, it's a great time <laughs> i mean we were talking about it this week right like everybody's killing it Everybody's crushing it. Yeah. If you can't make money in this market, you probably better, you probably better find something else. To do. <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, Alexis wants to know, what are some of the keys to get to the next level? Mm. Mm. Now, this I got a good answer to. Yeah. Right. Um, so one of the things that we're always talking about at CG um, is the difference between flipping houses and actually running a house flipping business. Mm-hmm. Right. You got a perfect example hanging out there on the wall. We'll talk about that. Um, and that's also when you ask about CG, we have our upper level tier and then we have a lower level tier called Premier or Select, I'm sorry, for folks doing like 20 to 50 deals, mm-hmm. right? They're still effectively flipping houses. So how do they, how do you go from flipping houses to running a house flipping business? And there's a lot of different things there. And that, first of all, you have to embrace that. You're not going to do that. Or you're not going to do it well without building a team. Um, and building a team is for most difficult. Right, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. because in order to get to a spot where you can have a team, you spent so many years in isolation, basically beating your brains out on the grind, working seventy hours a week. Yeah, and then you get to a point where you're you're so such a driver, such a grinder that when you build a team, you have to start investing into your team. It's kind of like you don't really know how to do that, right? I'm just trying to do what I'm trying to do over here. <laughs> Make me money and leave me alone, right? Yeah. And that doesn't work, right? You have to begin pouring and investing into other individuals so you can continue to grow your organization. So, building a team is is huge um how do you build a team right why would someone want to come work for you and that's when you really have to look and you got to say i gotta i have to have 
something bigger than just a company that makes money, right? I've got to create an organization. I've got to find, put something in place here, right? A vision that's bigger than just flipping houses that people want to attach to. And that typically means that you've got to have a vision, a mission, core values that you can share. So when people are making a decision to go come onto your team, it's, it's, you, you're defining what you stand for and what you stand against. And then those people are going to make a decision about whether or not they want to work uh, for you based upon those principles, right? And right. what you're doing, what you're trying to accomplish and who you're trying to help. Um, so really getting to a point where you've got a bigger purpose than just flipping houses or buying rentals or whatever it is you do. And then getting people engaged into that bigger purpose, right? You're all on a journey together, all on a mission together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd encourage you to think about what that is and then establishing a set of core values um, that you're going to operate within. And if someone, if you're gonna hire someone or fire someone, it's based on those core values, right? right? Um, then you can start building a team. Um, but then once you build a team, you gotta hold that team accountable. Yeah, how do you manage and retain them? <laughs> yeah, how do you, yeah, hire them, train them, retain them. <laughs> Uh, it's a whole animal in and of itself, um, and holding them accountable is something a lot of entrepreneurs also struggle with, mm-hmm. right? I've struggled with it, yeah. right? Um, and so, you know, then you gotta, if how do you hold them accountable? Then you gotta create KPIs, mm-hmm. right? Um, what's what KPIs? How well, the different set of KPIs for my sales team than I have for my construction manager? Different set of KPIs for the person managing my social media? What are the KPIs? Oh my gosh, right? Yeah. Numbers, 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 numbers. Mm-hmm. Data has to become your friend. Right. Right. Um, so I, I think those are some some key things that as you transition uh, into building an organization, right, that you've got to uh, really put relentless, relentless focus on. And it's I, I really I truly believe that you're only going to go so far being selfish. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, are you really, truly how many I, I want to think I've shared with you and I don't want to share the details of it but I've, there's a person on my team it's been with me for a couple of years and I've told you like one of my biggest goals is just Leon mm-hmm. right right that's yeah. I want to raise that dude's roof mm-hmm. you know yeah um everybody on my team right like Bailey and, and Den- that you you have to have a passion for empowering people right you know and seeing them grow uh same with who you're buying if you're buying houses from right are you really helping people you know, and I think as long as you get into a spirit of truly helping people, your success is going to be uh, measurable. You yeah. know, I always say money is my result; it is not my pursuit. Yeah, it's how you keep score. I'd yeah, say. yeah, it's not. It's not my. It is my result, mm-hmm. right? That yeah, it's not it, the destination. No, no, it's not the pursuit. The pursuit is to help people. The pursuit is to help Steve Train get more customers, and I know that if I do that. I'm going to make more money. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's, and that's our, I've always said from uh, when I first started this journey, right? Zig Ziglar, you can get whatever you want in life. Helping, yeah. So long as you help enough other people get what they want in their yeah. lives. And pretty soon you realize that, you know, uh, depending, depending upon where you live, but the majority of, of, of across the country, it takes work to spend more than $250,000. Everything you think you want, houses, cars, kids, good, good, good education, go on some nice vacations, like really it takes work after that yeah you know and so um once you reach that point where your needs are so far so so uh well taken care of then you really start to look like at way beyond money yeah. you know i enjoy making money i'm not discounting that but you reach a point where it's it, it's not an adrenaline rush like it was once was yeah you know? 
And I think that uh, if we look at, you know, the, we're talking about the, the tools and everything earlier, how like, you know, all these push buttons. And to answer, you know, Alexa's question, if you look at a lot of people that come on the show that have been super successful, A, a lot of them actually, a good number of them were actually from Collective Genius. I didn't know what Collective Genius was really at that time. Yeah. Right. So a lot of the guys that have come onto the show, you've interacted with, you got Eric Brewer, you got, mm-hmm. um, you know, Jack Bosch, you got Doug Hopkins. A lot of guys are, you know, affiliated with, with you guys. Um, but the, 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 the key difference between the people that have been on the show and the ones that, you know, are still struggling is that they treat it like a business. They're not a flipper. They run a flipping business. business. They're not a wholesaler. They run a wholesaling business. business. Yeah. yeah. And so I think uh, what you just answered, though, is a great segue for the next question from, from Daniel Nguyen is how did you, how did Jason create such a successful mastermind that attracts individuals that are of, I'm guessing, my caliber or people ahead of me? Like, how did you, how do you create that? Well, I would say, first of all, that was my intention was to create my focus is and has been for a higher level investor right so the the biggest thing is just making that decision from mm-hmm. the get-go right we're not i'm not i don't have an organization that's going to teach someone to flip their first house right so i made a decision they want to focus on a, on a higher tier investor that's number one mm-hmm. right number two um i think the thing is is once i began to really understand my ability to connect people um the results begin to show up for those people right mm-hmm. i've never been one you always tell me that you're a terrible self-promoter or a terrible promoter of even <laughs> cg right like dude you're terrible but the results we've created have spoken for themselves they have right they have yeah that's why that's why you're here right mm-hmm. you had a couple people banging your drum right? right yeah um and so i think the way that i've done that is one i set my mind to focus on a particular caliber of investor and number two um, is that we focused on I focus on creating results for those human beings you know right. um, and then to get really raw is especially if you're trying to build something right like I can out suffer the average human being I'm relentless you know <laughs> I, I know I know suffer <laughs> <laughs> if you're trying to build something magnificent yeah that creates legacy and it changes and impacts people's lives yeah it is not going to be this just rosy walk in the park right mm-hmm. like i get up every day and push the rock right you know constant relentless pursuit of excellence yeah you know and i, I just don't deviate from that well i think that's the key though because everyone we're chasing you know happiness which i think is a mistake but you're chasing you're chasing this chasing that what price are you willing to pay, right? Like, I've said this before in other places, you know, like I wish, and sometimes I could be happy seeing an apartment playing the PS5, right? God, didn't, God didn't wire me that way. No, I can't and do then it. If that, and if you did, that's fine. If that's, that's cool, right? Like right. I'm not, uh, not everybody's meant to yeah. be an entrepreneur, yeah. right? So, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. No, me neither. Right? No. There are times where I wish I could be like Yes, I envy people that have that level of, of like I'd use the word peace, I guess. Like contentment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah. I'm always dissatisfied. Right. I'm happy, but I always know it could be better, and that's what keeps pushing me. Yeah. It's the reason why I wake up at 5 a.m. to go run sprints. You know, I'm a 41 year old man. Yeah. Right. Instead of the comfort under the blanket. So yeah, yeah. I think your point here is that you're willing to outsuffer 
is, is is a point i just want to make sure people don't miss yeah what are you what price are you i hope pay? they're watching because like the way I, I was you know like we were we were connecting right there like i can out suffer the average right. human being right yeah it's key yeah like and people ask how you did this it's like it's not it's 11 years mm-hmm. you know right. 11 years that's that's you know just every day just pushing the rock right which it's kind of funny because yesterday we were talking and you're like i'm busy i'm working and i was like what are you working on in which you didn't i don't think you like that question because you're like you can't be asking me like steve can't be asking that question <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't i mean I, if i wanted to coast at this stage in my life mm-hmm. i could coast right but you um, go crazy I, I would go crazy right um i just enjoy progress i enjoy building something i enjoy navigating uh the different levels of of progress well the joy is in the journey which i think a lot of people miss yeah and yeah there is no there really is no destination yeah right you said something about chasing happiness and the first thing that popped in my mind is you can't chase a choice no right happiness is a choice mm-hmm. it's not something you attain it's not something you buy it's not some destination you reach that's happiness is a choice. You can't chase. You don't don't chase a choice. Right. You can choose right now whether it's sitting on the couch playing Nintendo, or it's building a mastermind, or it's building a killer podcast studio that we're sitting in. You you're ha- you get to be happy, mm-hmm. regardless of whatever you're right. But it is your choice. Right. You know, um, and I know that probably sounds funny after I just said I can outsuffer you, but um, <laughs> because you say, oh, you're miserable. No, I'm not. It's not about misery. It's just about being. Uh, you know, God wired me in some way to be pursue excellence in every facet of my life. And now I, I, I say that with a disclaimer, right? I've got life, I got parts of my life that I'm not happy with or not proud of or massive areas of improvement. Um, so I don't say that from like, you know, up on the soapbox. Yeah. You know, um, not in any way, shape, or form. Um, so Alex Barriantos wants to know. Uh, this question is what was the biggest struggle in your first few years but you've had an incredible journey where you have a lot of different things mm. uh, a lot of different you know experiences so what would you say were your biggest struggles in your early years in any of the facets uh, of business um I think the biggest struggle when I started CG was getting people to believe in my in my vision right there was really no uh, well you're a pioneer yeah I didn't I'm not the guy that invented masterminds but I'm kind of one of the, I'm the yeah, if you will, the, the pioneer of masterminds in the real estate investing space. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, you know, selling people, if you will, the idea that I'm going to put you in a room with a bunch of other smart people and we're going to compress the amount of time it takes you to, to do what you want to do and accomplish what you want to accomplish. And the connections in and of itself will, you know, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm already making $2 million. I don't need to, you know, I don't need to show up there, right? No, we're going to put you around a bunch of great people. We're going to have some fun. We're going to help you progress. We're going get, to get you results faster, right? Uh, getting people to uh, resonate with that uh, when it wasn't really being done was 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 challenging and it's not just not just the um, having them believe in that vision but it's also it's a commi- it's a commitment yeah right it's you you know most of our members we we meet four times a year um, at, at CG premiere three times for CG select but at the end of the day even if you come to, to if you say I'm not going to come to one I'm going to come to three of them but not all four of them at the end of the day if you if you got a business you got a wife you got kids you got a husband active family blah 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 uh three trips a year is, is a commitment mm-hmm. you know i mean covid made us act, actually made us better because we've we've put together a very dynamic virtual experience um but prior to that 
it was always physical and mm-hmm. physical alone. Uh, so getting people to make that level of, of commitment was Yeah, was it wasn't just a time. Or it wasn't just a price commitment, it's a time commitment. Yeah, yeah, it's an investment in a multitude of ways, right? Um, um, you said, so you started around 2010. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, 2010. Yeah, so I got into coaching around 2010, 2011, mm-hmm. right? In my own, just on the traditional real estate side. Yeah. And I can say up until that moment, right? Because I was a realtor. I wasn't a real estate agent business. I was just a realtor. Yeah. I was dealing with the buyers. I was dealing with the sellers, right? And so at that time, if someone were to say, there's a, there's a room full of people that are super successful and they just share their secrets. Mm. I would say, get the hell out of here. I ain't buying your bridge. Yeah. <laughs> right? Or your swamp yeah. plant. Whatever it is you're trying to sell, yeah. get out of here. Why would they do that? Well, yeah, why, why would they, they share do? their secrets? <laughs> right? And yeah. so it wasn't until I got into coaching where I was in a group full of the most successful people in the country. It's like, oh, wow, there are people that actually sit together and share their secrets. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I can totally imagine how hard it would been for you to pitch it because 2010, this guy was not believing that that guy was not buying it. Yeah. Most people. Yeah. They just, <laughs> at first they can't quite uh, register that people will do that, that they yeah. will share. And you know, it's funny. The other thing that we tell you, you heard this, uh, this week, there aren't really any secrets. There's no. only excellent execution. Yeah. Right. Um, there are times when something new comes up in our space, of course, but the reality of it is, is that it's really about execution. Right. Well, that's what separates you. you. Well, yeah. And you, you look at someone, uh, we're doing X. Well, we're doing that. Oh, but they're doing it so much better <laughs> than you are. Right. Yeah. So they're running circles. Well, so will you help me? Mm-hmm. Right. We're, we're doing this over here. Right. But you are doing it 10 times better, mm-hmm. 10 times faster than we are. Will you show me how you're doing it? That's right. where the magic happens. Well, my plan for my team is we're going to take Jason Lewis's presentation mm-hmm. and we're going to watch it once a week. Yeah, because it's so. If you just pick that one thing, <laughs> yeah, you can work on that for a quarter. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. So we can go from profitability, you know, the twenty-five to the forty range, to sixty. Yeah, yeah. Jason did a presentation <laughs> on he's running high high sixty seventy percent margin. Yeah. Right. Because right. of execution. And because of that presentation, I'm going to hire more bros. More bros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. More bros, right? Yeah. We need more bros. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what it is. That, that's the reference, right? Jason got up and did about a 90-minute presentation about how he's created a, almost a 70% margin in his business um, and gave it that level of detail was, was, was amazing, right? right? Here's who I hire. Here's how I hire them. Here's what their profile looks like. Here's... Here's their descriptions. Here's the KPIs. Here's 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 everything. Yeah. Right. And it's not only uh, that it's like he did the 90 minute presentation. You have befriended Jason, and you can now call him up at any point at any time, and say, Hey, I'm a little unclear on this piece right here. Yeah. Right. Can you walk me through that? Or can we get on a Zoom, and hold my hold my hand? Right. And he will. Yeah, or he might say, "Hey, let, let me get my integrator, my COO, on the call with your COO, who's responsible for executing it. Let's let's let them tear it up, right?" And Jason and I are both uh, Darren Hardy super fans, so we're actually going through Hero's journey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah, that dude's uh, he's he's a, Darren Hardy's a savage. Uh, what is so Daniel's follow up question? What is one piece of wisdom you would share to entrepreneurs earlier in their journey? Ooh, There's a one. lot of them. So what's one piece? Yeah, one. Um. Wow, one piece. That is super hard. Um, maybe that in and of itself, maybe what I just said, 
And it's not meant to be discouraging, but more so to prepare you for the journey. I said, one piece, that's super hard. It's going to be super hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, that's not in any way, shape, or form to be sound discouraging, but just that you're, you're going to have to be relentless. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the reason why you look in our room, right? I think mm. it was a Gary, Gary Harper said, like, you know, Mavericks are like less than 5% of the population. Yeah. But there are a crap load of Mavericks <laughs> within Collective Genius. Mavericks, strategists. Yeah, there's a bunch of, like right. me and Frank, There's Frank's a strategist. There's yeah. a ton of strategists in Mavericks and CG. Yeah. Right, and the reason, and for those of you guys that know what we're talking about, if you look at just a disc profile, that's a D, right? Super high D. Yeah. It's right? literally, yeah, you're, it's like a diagnosis of your personality. Yeah. Yeah. It's if you're super scary. high D, but the reason why is because there's going to be a lot of days that suck. Yeah. And you have to persevere. Yeah. You have and to the, overcome. Here's the crazier part, right? You you do that, you're ruthless, you're relentless to get to a point where you can uh, have this vision of life that you envision, mm -hmm. that you think will be how you want it, right? And one of the biggest things that came up this week at CG was once you actually arrive at that spot, right, where you look up and you're like, wow, like pretty much everything I had seen, everything I had envisioned is real mm -hmm. in my life. And the very habits the very ruthlessness that you had embodied to get to that spot are the very same habits that must be broken in mm -hmm. order for you to actually enjoy it. Yeah. It's deep. Yes. It's yeah. Deep. That like, you got to let that simmer for a second. Right. The very habits of ruthlessness of just dogged determination of, you know, every day, you know, closing that gap between your, your today versus your vision of the future. Like once you actually get to a spot where you're like, wow, 99% of what I had envisioned is, is now here. In order for you to be able to actually enjoy it and to, to be the father or the mother or the husband or the wife or, or you know, to actually, I, I, you, you, you actually have to break some of those habits. Well, it might be the reason why there are so many athletes that retire and come back. Yeah. Because yeah, they can't be that guy that's retired. Yeah. And I don't even know that it's about retiring as much as it is like, um, I'll give you, I'll just give you some examples, right? I, I'm there as a, when I'm running CG in the hot seats, I'm taking what your all's needs are mm -hmm. and helping you close the gap. But I'm also taking wins and, and writing down my own personal things I need to change, things I need to shift, right? And the majority of them were not business-wise. They were commitments to, like, um, and I, I want to make sure as I classify this, it's like I'm, I'm a good father. I take my little girl to school. We, we read at night. I put her to bed several nights a week. My wife and I are a great team. Um, but I do work every day. I do go to work every day, and, and, I, and I push. Um, and I thought to myself, why is it? Why is it that? You know what? My wife and I have date night every Friday night, but why don't I once a week or once every two weeks go to lunch with my wife I can mm -hmm. but I've gotten but to get to the point to where I can it's required habitual patterns that must be broken now that I can yeah right why is it that I don't once a week or once every two weeks go and pick up Ava at school at 245 in the middle of the day and don't go back to work not that I don't want to mm-hmm it's just that those, those habits that got to the point where I could be able to go and pick up Ava at 2.45 in the middle of the day and not go back to work 
are the habits that have to be broken. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, now you're yeah. speaking to me right now. Mm, right? Yeah. Yes. Un, un, un <laughs> harnessing that yeah. drive when yeah. it has become the, 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 the whipping beast that you mm. have to just every day and now saying, I'm here. Not that right. you can't continue to grow, not that you can't continue to push, not that you can continue to strive, but maybe you need to divert. I'm, right. I'm hitting you right now. You are hitting me right now. <laughs> you are. I, me too, bro. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Uh, no, that's deep. Something yeah. I got to think about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing too about CG, any other ma other master, go a mastermind will, I mean, the right mastermind will peel back the layers of your heart. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. We've experienced that. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so is that the struggle or would you say there's a bigger struggle for you right now? I'm a control freak. Mm -hmm. uh, detail is, it's, it's like, you know, if you were looking at my birth certificate, it's like Jason Detail Medley. <laughs> <laughs> so although earlier I'm Which talking is about. interesting because you're a driver and you love people. Yeah. Usually details does not follow that. Yeah, no, I'm a, a weird, I'm like a 50-50 split visionary COO, like, you know, uh, but I've reached a point in my life where I don't enjoy integration right. anymore, right? But again, it's been habitual. And so now I'm at a phase where I've got to really focus on letting some go, let, letting go of things. And my team wants that too, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, not just want that they want not not just because they don't want you in it they want that for you well yeah they yeah oh <laughs> yeah yeah and that's that's difficult to intake mm -hmm. right right because as much as you want them to grow they're kind of like well we want you to too yeah and yet there's this like well if you guys are up here pushing i need to be up here pushing i'm gonna mm -hmm. feel guilty right I'm gonna feel guilty, and mm -hmm. you're kind of like, you gotta, you gotta come to peace with that, you know? All right. And so that's very much, uh, very much where I'm at right now is just kind of like, and I've got a great team, right? You do have an incredible team. Yeah, I mean we got some, some fabulous uh, people on our team. We need a few more to really like, you know, plug plug some of the holes in our business, and uh, I, that's that's. That's my struggle is, is relinquishing uh, or, you know, after that, we talked about that kick in the face in 2008. Well, after that happens once, you, you carry around some scars oh, yeah. from that, you know, and everything you begin to, pr instead of focusing sometimes on, well, if I hire this individual, it's going to give me more freedom. And after that first initial six months, it, it's not, it's not going to be an expense. They're going to take us to the next level, mm -hmm. right? But sometimes your first thought, your first inclination, your first knee-jerk reaction is oh well, that, you know that person's gonna be 15 grand a month or hundred eighty thousand dollars salary and it's gonna be six months before they figure out what they're doing and then another six months before they catch their stride so i'm right you start that 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 little wicked beast in your brain oh well, because you've had the times where your expense was really high yeah and the revenue was not yeah right yeah so that's that's a that's a battle for me yeah, yeah i have to i hear that little yeep, 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 yeep. You know, and you're like, nah, I'm not having you today. <laughs> right. Well, that goes, I mean, we talk about, uh, me personally, you know, that we don't make the best financial decisions as far as buying rental properties. Hmm. We don't believe in the leverage thing to the same degree that a lot of people preach. Yeah. Because we went through it and we saw who suffered mm -hmm. and who thrived. 
Yeah. And the guys that thrived were really cash rich and they, they just bought properties cash. Yeah. Right? Well, you know, it kind of goes back to our earlier conversation when we were talking about if you're new in the business, a lot of that, you know, that's part of the attraction to real estate. Oh, I'm passive income, you know, I get some passive income, right? Right. Here's the reality of it. If you want to build a business, every time you get some traction, you take you you strip money off right you can pay cash because you're at a different level in your life you're making a lot of money mm-hmm. right when you get started and you're building you're trying to if you want to make a career in real estate if if too soon you begin taking profitability and buying rental properties right you're suffocating your ability to grow the business the oxygen yes it is the oxygen of growing the business right so you you're su- you're you're beating your brains out like i'm killing myself i can't hire anybody you don't have any money to hire anybody. You don't have any money to hire anybody because you're put, you're you're buying rental properties, mm-hmm. right? You're suffocating the business. Um, I you know, and it, and you can you can carry that, uh, you can carry that noose around here for way too long. I mean, there's 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 guys in CG. One, I think the one right now, he's he's probably worth ten million dollars, right? He was he called me. This was a few months back. I'm ah, I don't even know why I'm doing this. You know, we're not making any money. And we get to talking, and he added like he added like forty five or fifty rentals to his portfolio <laughs> last year. And I'm like, I'm not gonna say his name, right? I'm like, dude, you're making a fortune, but it's not showing up your P and L. You're shifting it to your balance sheet, mm-hmm. right? And you're miserable because your team's too small. And it, so instead of buying four properties a month, why don't you buy three <laughs> and take the money you were gonna spend on the fourth? Right. And hire some people to help you so you're not miserable. Yeah. Right? And he was also judging himself off a of P&L that is being decimated because he's buying rentals, right? Mm-hmm. Not selling some of those houses, which show. And then at the same time, using depreciation to, you know, I'm like, man, you're not, you're not looking at the whole picture here. Yeah. Right? So I would encourage anybody, if you if you're, get a business, again, where it's consistent, predictable, and reliable, and spitting off profit before you go buy, you know, cause even if you get to 10 rentals, I mean, average rental property is going to throw off 200 bucks a month, mm-hmm. 300 bucks a month. You know, if, if th- something goes wrong and your business isn't profitable, what are you going to do with $2,000? Yeah. Not much. Not a lot. It's, right? not, it's not covering payroll. That's right. Sure. Versus if you've got 200 grand sunk into those 10 properties, yeah. if something goes wrong, you want to have the 200 grand, you want to have a couple grand a month and yeah. yeah, and it ain't. And that's all a game. It's all a joke, anyway, right? Passive is not really passive until you have, you know, a bunch of them that somebody else is managing. Yeah, if you're like a Nathan Brooks or something like that. Yeah, then it's passive. Yeah, now you're hunting across the country. I was mm. talking to him the other day, two days ago. He's just traveling the country just to hunt. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Yeah. Um, so we're in a. A, I think a lot of people here are saying that this is deep. They really like this conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want to pivot here. Um, I am now looking to you whenever I need to travel. Mm-hmm. So we were having a conversation yesterday, the day before, I think you were saying that mm-hmm. you're known in, 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 in our group as the travel snob. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about that. Okay. All right. Um, so pe- people have, I'm fairly, uh, my wife and I, this is another great rule for people getting started out. I'm not even just started out. Right. But even some Again, making money is a skill set, keeping it's a discipline. We probably live on about 20%. That might even be a stretch Mm -hmm. of what we make, right? Um, But there are, everybody's got stuff that they'll blow money on, Mm -hmm. you know, and for me, it's vacations. Yeah. Um, When we go to travel, we get an Airbnb, 
I mean, I will scour. I will literally, I kid you not, spend. Now, this is for a multitude of reasons, but I will, I will spend. I could spend twenty hours flicking through VRBO, right? <laughs> yeah. um, because that's something. To, I'm a view guy, right? Some people need drugs. I need a good view to yeah. come. You know, just right, right, just. Um, and so I, I will spend. And not, it's not only for me, but a lot of times I like to go and take my take friends. And I want to see that expression when they walk in yeah. the door. That's right. a joy for me, right? So when we walk in and they go, <sighs> well, yeah, the view is, a, what else are you going to do? If you don't have a view, what's yeah. the point? Yeah. So for those listening, mm. top two or three destinations, if they were to go, like, that, this is Jason Medley approved yeah. travel. Yeah. Um, top two or three destinations. I'm a Mexico fan. I would even go as far as aficionado. Mm. Been all over. You name it. Yeah. Right, special little places. Uh, one is Zihuatanejo. Um, so yeah, let's call that one. Uh, yeah, Z I H A U J E T E N O, Zihuatanejo. Um, if you just type in Zihua, Z I H A U, I think, or Z I H U A, one of the two. Um, it was actually, if you've ever, you know, you probably got a, a younger audience, right? But in Shawshank Redemption, which is a legendary movie, Andy ran off to Zihuatanejo. Oh, okay. Yeah, and um, Zihuatanejo is just an, an epic. Uh, the beauty is 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 staggering, you know. Um, and I like to fly high. I like to feel like an eagle. And a lot of the houses are up on the cliffs with infinity pools. And you know, I just like to kind of like to survey the, the yeah. scene. You know, um, we took a bunch of folks from CG there last year. I would like to do it again this year, later this year, um, and then. Probably my favorite spot. Um, maybe a few people heard of Costa Costa Cries, but I'd almost bet you nobody's heard of Costa. Or maybe a few people have heard of Zuatanejo, but I almost bet you nobody's heard of Costa Carayas. Um, it's a gem, uh, southern Pacific coast of Mexico. And it's like, I don't even know how to. There's nothing there but about 150 of the most extravagant villas you've ever seen in your I mean they're hard to take in right mm -hmm. yeah like hard to take in nothing there there's not a lot there's no this is a place you go to disconnect mm -hmm. right if you need to shop if you need to go to the disco you know this is not for you yeah right there's only about it's a section of the Mexican coast all these houses are built on cliffs 150 200 feet in the sky overlooking the ocean and it's almost like 150 of uh, th these are houses I I would rent but couldn't buy I mean these are you know ma massively they're probably 10 million plus dollar homes mm. and they're just uh, difficult to describe yeah, yeah. if you want to the place we stayed at is uh, called Casa and Sueño uh, website this guy has three of these his website's called three casas.com mm. Right, yes. Yeah, I still have that bookmarked on my website. Yeah, my three homes. The the owner of the of uh, these and uh, we stayed at Casa Sueño. Go check out. Go to threecasas.com. Check out Casa Sueño. It's just uh, and it's it's a home, but it has hotel service, right? So if you're sitting at the pool and you need a drink or you know there's someone there and it's uh, just, I mean, I think about it constantly. Yeah. To return to go back, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's that, uh, and I I went with uh, Mark De La Tour. Mm -hmm. His family, another CG member, and uh, it's just, uh, it's just, uh, I, he, he, look, look, I'm, I'm trying to find the word, right? I, I can't, Speechless. Yeah. Speechless. Yeah. It's a, a, a right. gem, hidden gem. So, uh, 
as we wrap up. Guys, if you have any more questions, now's the time to ask it. What is your superpower? Um, I think my superpower is connecting people. And uh, for a dude, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to show emotion. And in our world... This is very true. Yeah. I've witnessed it multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. In our world, it's not intentional. It's something I literally try to fight. Uh, it's, I literally try to talk myself out of it. But I, I, if it happens, I can't. And in our world today, uh, it's like, you know, difficult to come by is what people tell me. That you, you're, that as a man, I'm willing to, to, to share emotion about certain things mm-hmm. or to get emotional about things that touch my heart. Yeah. And to me, when it's happening, a lot of times when I get emotional, I'm like, oh, you know, like, I don't, I'm a man. I don't, I don't. Uh, and the reality of it is, in more cases than not, when if I get emotional about something or shed tears over something, people usually come up to me and say, "That's what makes you you." Yeah. That's why I like you. Yeah. You know. Uh, and so, but yeah, that I'm not, and I shouldn't even say I'm not afraid because usually I'm fighting it, but I don't do a good job of it. Uh, but really, it's I think it's uh, connecting people and wanting wanting the best for human beings and knowing you know who to. That's how my brain operates. When I'm talking to somebody, right, it's yeah. flipping through the files, mm-hmm. flipping through the files, right? How can I help? Yeah. How can I help this person? Who can I connect them with that can? No, you got make their life easier. you got incredible. Uh, I would say Rolodex, but that's really old school. So I guess incredible CRM in there. Yeah. Oh God, I felt so out of touch the other day. Like two people were instead of trading business cards, they were like showing, saying, "Here's my IG." Oh yeah. And I was like, I don't even know my IG. I think I've got one. You got one. <laughs> you know? We just hired somebody to like put yeah. stuff on it, right? But I, I really. You really wouldn't know. Yeah, when people ask me for for business cards, I was like, uh, what's your IG? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I'm I don't have touch, man. I haven't had a business card. I don't know how many years. Mm. Uh, me neither. I don't carry one. What is your favorite, best, or most interesting failure? Mm. Most interesting failure. Interesting failure. You know, the funny thing is, is my brain really has to think through that because I don't identify what people call failures as failures. I always see them as opportunities to learn, to bridge the gap and figure out how I can get better, mm-hmm. right? More like a lesson than a failure. Yeah. Um, but, gosh, I, I yeah, I don't, I mean, I think life is full of, I fail every day, mm-hmm. you know? I fail every day. That's what, that's what, if you're relentless, you push past those failures, right? Like you just, but I don't see them as failures. I just see them as part of life. I'm a very grateful, 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 grateful human being. And I think if you focus on too much failure, you can't be gracious. We had an event out here yeah. on Sunday, which worked out really well. Uh, and someone asked like the four of us, right? Me, Ryan Pineda, Connolly, and Sam Pern, like, why don't you guys document your failures more often? And why would you want to focus on that? That was my answer. Was that yeah. when they were saying like you know help the people you know that are going along the journey, share the you know, and and I do share my failures from time to time. But for me, yeah. I don't like my brain doesn't even process as a failure. Like here was a hiccup. Well, it's not even that you're not processing processing that as a failure. It's that if you are trying to create the most out of life, it's it, you grow numb to failure mm-hmm. because you're going to get failure. Show your failure is going to show up every single day right. multiple times a day yeah and so you just get to where it's, it's not that you don't 
Yeah, I'm, I, by no means am I sitting here saying I don't have failures. It's just that I have so many of them in a pursuit of growth that I just don't see, I don't recognize them as failures. It's just my bump. That's just, okay, yeah. we need to correct the torpedo. Right. Right? A torpedo only gets where it's going through a series of failures. It's constant course correction. It is. Yeah. And I read a book, um, you know, like for me, this pursuit, right? I'm trying to be the number one sales trainer. So now I'm committed to reading every single sales book I've never read before. Yeah. And one of them was uh, Go For No. And go for no. Go for no. And okay. the last chapter, or one of the last chapters, he says that we all die of failures. And he doesn't say that in a, in a bad way. He says that everyone has ever accomplished anything in their lives was trying to do the next thing, and they didn't succeed there. Yeah. It's when, when you hit the dust, you should have still been growing. You should have been trying something else that you failed yeah. at. Yeah. Yeah. Failure, failure is, is, I mean, it's a core ingredient of success. It's something that should be happening in your life every single day. Yeah. Right. Figuring out how to get around failures and just stop seeing them as that. They're not failures, right? Failures if you quit. Right. Right. You failed if you quit. One of my favorite quotes by Michael Jordan was, um, I've never lost a game in my life. I just ran out of time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like Sometimes <laughs> time is what, like you go into overtime, you get two teams that at the, at the end of regulation mm -hmm. were tied. Right. Yeah. You go in overtime at some point, whoever is ahead at the end of that time. All right. Yeah. Right. Uh, so my last question is what book have you gifted more than any other? Yeah. The book that I would say I have, I want to set this up. Do we have time, like a two minute story? Of course. Okay, great. I'm not in a hurry. Um, so I've got a library at home, right? I got the bookshelves like everybody else and I am more of a collector of books and anything i order books like it's going out of style the majority of them and i flick through the table of contents i might digest 20 pages and 99 percent of them end up on the shelf unread right i know what i want and if i don't see that i'm going to get it out of the book i'm not <laughs> going to read it right yeah. and so i have three books that i keep by my nightstand right 99 percent of them end up on the shelf a few get completely read and three of them I keep on the nightstand. Um, the one that has had a massive impact on me um, professionally is The One Thing by Gary Keller. Mm -hmm. um, amazing book about focus. It is. Yeah. After 11 years of working with a lot of very high-level entrepreneurs, the ones that typically crash and burn is not from a lack of skill set. It's not from a lack of education. It's not from a lack of effort. It's not from a lack of grit. It's from a lack of focus, mm -hmm. right? If you need to understand what focus really looks like, go read the one thing. Yeah, yeah, that stays on the nightstand. The next one, uh, and let open your mind here for a second. Right? It's called. It's written by the very same gentleman that wrote "Think and Grow Rich," right? Mm -hmm. One of the biggest selling books of all time about being successful in business. Yeah. Napoleon Hill. And uh, he actually revealed, if you will, or, or defined the mastermind concept. The most common element that all of the titans of industry shared was a mastermind. Mm -hmm. He wrote a book called Outwitting the Devil. Yep. Staggering. Mm -hmm. Just staggering in, a, in revealing how the world works and showing you a greater lens uh, so that you are not inside of, you're not, I don't know, if you the Truman story. Remember, you ever see that movie? Truman Show? The Truman Show. Yeah. yeah. He's in the little bubble, mm -hmm. right? And then he got to kind of, when you get to look, Wild Winning the Devil takes you outside of your little bubble mm -hmm. and it takes you from, from actor 
to director, mm-hmm. right? You're you're seeing what's going on and processing it, versus uh, being hypnotized by the, the media or all the propaganda that we're fed on a regular basis. And so uh, I think for me, just gosh, I mean that book. I, I ran. I had like I might as well have dipped that in highlighter. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> might as well just just dip the whole thing in there. I wasted energy. Uh, it's like there's nothing left for me. Just, everything's highlighted. You know. <laughs> Um, also, amazing stuff about, like, what you should be teaching your kids. Mm-hmm. You know, he has, like, four pages in there where I was just like, I'm a failure as a parent, you know. <laughs> and then some of it, so you're like, wow, at what age can will this particular item actually make sense for my child, mm-hmm. right? Teaching them to think for themselves. Teaching that um, helping other people comes before your selfish nature. And, and if you really want reward in life, they start, start there. Like, that little, like, four pages of just epic stuff and... Um, and then again, t- helping you see life through the l- through the lens of the director versus the actor in the movie, you know, stellar book. Yeah, yeah. Like I I I tell people about that all the time. Um, and then the last one is uh, the this the Bible, you know. And I don't yeah. care whether you're religious, not religious. I'm not really. I'm a firm believer in God, but I'm not religious, mm-hmm. right? I don't have a denomination. But there's so much wisdom in the Bible. There right? is yeah, so much wisdom in the Bible. It's it's staggering, right? Like how you should how you should live your life. Um, there's so much wisdom in there, right? Even if you even if you're if even if you don't believe in God, right? There's so much wisdom in the Bible as how you should operate as a human being. Yeah, even if you don't believe it. Yeah, even if you don't believe him, in God. Take him as stories. Right? Yeah, even if God's in question, yeah. right? Jesus is not in question. He walked the earth, right? But if you don't believe in God. That's cool, but there's so much wisdom. Proverbs, Psalms, there's so much wisdom in the Bible. Well, what's fascinating to me was like, you know, I went through like I was a total money makeover, one of the other ones by Dave Ramsey. He's yeah. like, you would have a story. It's like, and then like, here's the, uh, you know, the passage from the Bible. I was like, oh, wow. Everything Dave Ramsey's teaching was in the Bible. Well, I'm going to give one more piece of advice. I know we're getting ready to wrap. Yeah. Right? And this is for some people, this is going to hit them in the gut. They're going to, you know, the knee jerk's going to happen. I can tell you that since I began tithing, right? Mm-hmm. Since I began tithing, giving, t- I literally, I give away, for if I make a dollar, I give away a dime, right? Um, not all of it goes to the church that I belong to. Some, a lot of it goes to Generous Genius and stuff, right? It's about 5% and 5%. The moment I began giving away 10% of my income, I have done nothing but elevate year after year after year after year, right? Now, I'm not just saying you give money away. Magically, you, you get rich, mm-hmm. right? I'm not suggesting that. But I'm saying when I begin to give 10% of my income away and, and, and be a, become a steward of that gift, right? When I became a steward of money, things change. Yeah. Yeah. Things change, man. It, at some point, you got to look up and say, you know, I actually recommend it whether you have money, don't have money, in between. But at some point, you wake up and you're like, Life is bigger than just stacking paper and logging into your online bank account. And it's like the pixels got the pic- pixels on your phone changed to, mm-hmm. oh, there's more money in there, right? At yeah. some point, it doesn't change your life. Right. Right? But it can change somebody else's. A lot of people's lives. Yeah, helping other people can change. And since I started tithing, giving, make a dollar, give away a dime, dude, I track it. Yeah. Yeah. So I want you to think about one last thing you want to leave the listeners with mm. while I make a couple of announcements. Okay. Guys, please like, subscribe, share, comment. Helps me, helps the algorithm. We can reach more people. Um, and then next week, 
Wednesday. We go back to our regular Wednesday schedule. We got Philip Vincent with uh, Mom's House. He's going to talk about how you guys might be missing out some opportunities with some uh, assisted living facilities. Um, and so with that, last it's thoughts. Another CG member. Another CG member. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think you were just an example of some of the best advice right there. And uh, you... In life, if you're just honest with people, right? Like, I, like if I were to go watch a video about how to elevate uh, your podcast, right? They'd come up with some fancy way to to maneuver or position around getting people to give you likes and share your podcast, right? Just be real. Mm-hmm. Just tell people what you need, mm-hmm. right? Listen to them when they're telling you what they need. And, uh, you know, I'm not perfect. There's times when I'm temperamental. There's times when I'm when I'm pushing, I'm driving, I come home, I'm anxious. Like, I don't, I don't, but you know, for being CG that I always say, like, just love on each other. You know, life is short. Everybody's got different opinions, different desires, different, but at the end of the day, you know, just, just be good to people. Life's so much easier. You know, life is so much easier, so much more fulfilling when you're just good to one another. Yeah. Yeah. And the opportunities are everywhere. There's no shortage of opportunities. <laughs> the opportunities to not be a butthole are, are everywhere, yeah. right? Um, but, man, I really enjoyed this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I hope it was beneficial. Oh, it's incredibly Yeah, it was helpful. great for me. Yeah. Uh, if someone wanted to get a hold of you, yeah, how would they do that? Um, if you wanted to learn, you know, more about CG, I mean, you could go to learnmoreaboutcg.com or learn how CG works. Um there's some stories there about you know what we do for our members and how they achieve success and that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, I'm not a big social media guy. If you want to hit me up personally on Facebook, or I, I don't, I don't uh, do a whole lot of responding. So uh, you're welcome to hit me up there um, and follow me. But I'm terrible about. Uh, like I said, we just hired somebody to. Yeah, and I think she's doing a great job. And, yeah, you know, I've, yeah. I, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. You know, you've been instrumental in my life. Thank right? you, sir. Like, I appreciate just, that. Uh, connecting with you was the one of the best business decisions I made. I didn't expect that, right? I mean, I had yeah. multiple people say, you need to do this, you need to do this. But, you know, once Gary Harper says you have to do it, it's like, what do you do? Yeah. You just do it. Yeah, Gary's a sharp dude. <laughs> yeah. I suggest you listen to Gary. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you did. I'm glad, glad I you did, did. We've too. had a, It's been a short ride, but it's been a great one already. Yeah, you know? so thank you yeah, for absolutely, everything. Yeah, my friend. It's been a pleasure. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you, guys. All right, so I think we're we're 14 minutes away. But yeah, I guess I gotta talk to you more often about the family stuff. Well, my friend, I was I didn't. You don't gotta talk. We could hold each other accountable. <laughs> I don't know if I'm giving you great advice. But yeah, that thing about like. Disrupt this. Yeah, see, we real estate disruptors. Can't nobody touch us. And yeah, we about to give you game. Shout out to Steve Train. Real estate disruptors. They cannot touch us. And yeah, we about to give you game. Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We about to give you game. REI's flowing through my veins. And you don't have to look no further. See right here, you gon' learn everything. Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We real estate disruptors.